Everybody, new week, new Thursday, new episode of Overly Blunt Podcast. It's your boy Chris X Matt. The only podcast we're keeping it now. The nine is way too far from one hundred. Today in the building, I got Mr. QT. How you doing, sir? I'm good, bro. Thank you so much for having me here. It's thank, a blessing. Thank you so much for coming, bro. Like, I really appreciate it. Like, shout out to everyone that like, be coming through to my career just to <laughs> just to record and do this podcast. Cause I ain't, I always say I ain't shit, man. And it just, it's just it's dope to have people come through and support. It's like for real, it's love. But, uh, yeah, Q, like, explain to the people who QT is. Yeah, man, so my name is QT. I'm a spoken word artist from Los Angeles, California. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been writing poetry since I was in sixth grade. I was born and raised in Los Angeles. Um, I've been performing poetry for almost about a year now, uh, spoken word. Um, and I like, to think, I like to think of myself as more than a poet. Um, I, I actually write stuff that have content and... and, and I take a lot of pride in, in when I perform my pieces to people that they leave and they feel something. So I try to embody that passion and that spirit um, when I perform my pieces. But, you know, a little bit about myself to keep it, you know what I mean, in a nutshell, 26 years old, spoken word artist from Los Angeles, California. I have a six-year-old daughter. She'll be seven next month. Okay. Um, and, man, I'm just doing this. You know what I'm saying? This is my dream. This is my passion. Uh, to perform poetry and to, you know, get my message out there to the world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's facts when you said about like the the energy you leave and the impact you leave on people. Cause I remember when I first saw you, um, I saw you because I went to go support the the homie Astrid. Shout out Astrid. Astrid, yeah. Um, and I think you opened up the show and yeah, yeah the when you the way you spit it, the way you gave the 
the whole speech, the whole poem and everything. Mm-hmm. I was just like, wow. I, that was my first time at a, at a poetry event. Yeah. So when you started like that, I'm like, okay, like this is what I've been missing. Like, all right, I like this. And then even from the jump, when I got there, bro, you were like, oh, give me a hug. And I kind of like, I'm not gonna lie, I thought it was kind of weird. I, was, I thought it was kind of weird. I was like, give you a hug. And I was yeah. like, all right. And then it was me and the homie. And we we're like, all right, yeah, whatever. And it was just like the love there. And I wasn't used to like ever being around that environment. It's like, okay, that's dope. It's welcoming. I feel it's comfortable now. Like that's right there, sure. you broke the barrier. Yeah. And it made me feel good. And just like, yo, I need this guy. And when, when I found out it was your event, I was like, I need to get him on the podcast. I, I believe I asked you to that day. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think believe. So. And you were like, yeah, bro, just follow me on Instagram and yeah. hit me up. And I was like, I bet. Yeah. And it just is that was, um, I think, I believe May, April, May or something like that. I threw an event in April and May, so it could have been either one. Right, man. Yeah, but yeah, one. I really, I, I got that the energy from you. I was like, man. That's what's up, man. For me, it's important when people come to my event um, to make them feel something immediately right when they come in, especially if they invest in money to come to an event. Um, all too often, I find myself going to open mics and different events throughout L.A., and, and leaving and saying, damn, um, I feel like they was just there to collect my money and you didn't really leave with a, con- a sense of connection or a sense of community. Um, you know what I mean? A sense of support. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always wanted to bring that times 10 because it's a reflection of who I am as a person. I'm going around hugging people and loving people outside of my events. So I wanted my event to be a reflection of who I am in my heart. Right. So, to hear you say that and to hear you have that type of experience, yeah. it just is very, very uh, moving um, because it just shows that, you know what I mean, it's it's noticed and that it's being seen. So. Yeah, I've seen everyone even just, like, you were a good host and everyone really, like, I don't know, I guess just the vibe you gave out because everyone, yeah. I felt like everyone knew you. Yeah. Like, like we all came to, we all came because of QT. Yeah. That's how I felt like. But how did the, the, the Patio Poetries come, come about? That's what's up, man. So actually, the event that I have, Patio Poetry, it's held at a place called The Zoo. Um, mm-hmm. I went to go perform at the zoo um, last no October or November, and it was a rainy, cold night on a cold Saturday night. Yeah. And I'm sitting at home, and I had got a uh, notification from my older sister, Coquise. Shout out to Coquise. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, "There's an open mic that you should go perform at." I was brand new to the poetry scene, and I was just looking to take advantage of every open mic that I heard about. Right. So stumbled on to the zoo. And I walked in there, and there was probably about three to four people back there by that patio. And I'm like, where the fuck's the event? So can I curse on here? Yeah, yeah, you're good, bro. I'm like, oh, for sure, for sure. (laughs) So I'm like, where the fuck is the people at? And so I walk up to the guy who I just assumed was the host. He had a list in his hand. And I'm like, hey, my man, I'm here to perform. Is anybody else coming, or is this, you know what I'm saying? He's like, well, yeah, we don't usually get a lot of people that come, but you're free to perform if you'd like. I'm like, it's cool. I just wrote a new piece, so why not come and practice it and take advantage of it? Yeah. So I performed that night my piece, Power. I think you've... Have you heard that piece before where I'm telling people, you know what I mean? I mentioned Donald Trump. I, at, the end of the, at the end of the piece, I have people hug and connect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, that's yeah, my piece, yeah, Power. Yeah, yeah. So oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I performed that piece. Made then. me hug strangers and shit, straight bro. Up, yeah, straight yeah, up. Yeah, I, I, I fuck with that, though. Since I'm not used to it, so it's like, yeah. that's dope, all right? Yeah, we gotta yeah. just yeah. fuck all this... Ego shit, bro. That's right. Yeah, yeah. We, we got to break them barriers. Mm-hmm. So I performed that piece that night in front of about five or six people. Mm-hmm. And not knowing the whole time, the venue owner is right there next to me serving up drinks by that back door patio bar. And so when I get off stage, he calls me over and he's like, yo, I've never heard anything like that in my life. He's never heard spoken word ever. Oh, white dude. Yeah. He's like, what the fuck was that? So um, he's like, <laughs> write my number down. Let's stay in contact. Wrote his number down, no intention, no nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that next, that following weekend, I was in Vegas, and I was with my sister, 
And she was like, did you ever reach out to that owner, that venue owner who you told me you gave your number to? And I'm like, no, I haven't reached out to him. She said, you should definitely reach out to him because I just found out that the host that hosted that event is going out of the country to live. So that's an opportunity. So I'm like, cool. So I hit him up and I'm like, hey, I heard your, you know, your host is leaving or whatever. I would love to be able to host there. Mind you, I'm fresh to the poetry scene. I don't know nobody. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm just the type of person to take advantage of every single opportunity I have. Gotcha, yeah. And so I hit him up. He's like, let's have a meeting. We had a meeting. And he's like, I'm going to give you the opportunity to throw one event. And based off the success of that event, we'll determine if we're going to continue to have you throw events here. Okay? Cool. No problem. I, I, he gave me three weeks, mm-hmm. three weeks to push an event that I've never done before, right? And so... Bro, within that three weeks, I went to every single open mic I can find. Every single one. It felt like I was at an open mic every day. Mm-hmm. I very quickly came up with a game plan on how I would want the structure to be for the event. I had mm. no team. I had no help for my first event. It was all me. So you're going there and just peeping game and learning? Peeping game, scouting, looking for talent, mm, reaching yeah, out to okay. people. All right, Who yeah. am I going to feature? I don't know nobody, right? Right. So I, I'm, I'm going to these different poetry events. And, you know, I'm starting to meet people. Law of attraction. You start meeting people that's in alignment with the same journey that you're on. Right. And so I just start meeting people, man. And and my first event, I'll never forget, I told myself, the first event that I went to, it was like five or six people back there. If I can get an event to where it's like 25 or 30 people, be a success. that will be a success to, to you. me. Yeah. My first event, I had over 100 people. What? Over 100 people at the first Patio Poetry. I'll never forget January 7th, 2017. Oh, was the shit. first ever Patio Poetry, almost a year now, right? And that was you That was you promoing yourself? By myself. By all yourself. All footwork, and all promoting on social so media. So besides hitting up clubs and all that, and besides the social media, like what, how else did you... That was it. And just word of mouth? Word of mouth. The only resources that I had was going to these events, promoting, performing was big because they had to know what they're going to invest in. Yeah. So I, I will perform and then I will have my, my paper flyers, which you don't see a lot of people doing anymore, like promoting with actual paper. Um, so I will be going right, to yeah. these different events with flyers and just networking, connecting with people, getting people to understand what I'm trying to do, what I'm trying to accomplish. I got an event. Blah, blah, blah. So that's how Patty and, and it's been growing since then. Like crazy, like wildfire. So I'm very blessed, very fortunate. To How many have, have you had already? Um, I want to say 11. Ooh. I want to say my last event was the 11th, 10th or 11th event, no less than 10. So 10 or 11. Oh, and then yeah. it started how long ago? I started in January of this year. Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. And you already, you already itself seen the, the progress, yep. the growth. Oh, absolutely. Not only have I seen the, the, the progress, but I've seen the quality of talent. Mm, change that's this came through exactly yeah so for me it's never been let me see how many people i can get in here it's always been let me make sure the right energy is in here let me make sure the 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 quality of talent that's coming right yeah it's going to be felt by people so yeah that that's always what it's been like for me and i even love how you said you took a you basically i'm here on overly blown podcast i'm really big on just creating your own opportunity and creating yeah. like stop waiting for people just to hand you some shit and like like you said you took a uh, you saw an opportunity you reached yep. out and look it, yep. it benefited you and it, it helped you out it's, exactly. it's helped your your brand out because i know you got absolutely you have the mute mute genre. genre yeah that's your personal that's my personal brand okay can yep. you explain a little bit about that absolutely so i have a brand called mute genre entertainment that's spelled m-u-t-e like mute no right. sound mute genre entertainment and basically i created this um it's funny man i have a funny story behind mute genre 
I brainstormed Mute Genre five years ago. It's in my notepad. It's in a notepad that I used to brainstorm in. And I had this idea of putting together an entertainment group that will allow people, that, that will first throw events and that will allow people to have opportunities within my community to perform. Right, I love it. So yeah. for Mute Genre, the way I came up with that name is because I'm all about unity. If, you, if, if you've came to one of my events, you mm -hmm. know QT is about unity. He's about love. Mute Genre symbolizes that there is no, art has no genre. So it doesn't matter if you're gay. It doesn't matter what your what your religious preference is. It doesn't matter what your political view are. It race. doesn't matter if you cripple your race. It don't matter what it is. Art has no genre. So we welcome all races of people, um, all ethnic backgrounds, everything. is We all one. We all a collective. So for me, the idea behind creating Mute Genre Entertainment was put together an entertainment group, throw events, create opportunities within my community for people to come, create a space of love, Peace, connection for dancers, poets, spoken word artists, comedians, physical painters, does not matter. Um, create that space, throw events, um, you know, for people to obviously come and perform to express themselves in a loving, in a loving and supportive space. Mm -hmm. That was very key for me. Anybody can create a space. What's going to have people come back? What's going to make people feel something? They have to feel a sense of com uh, uh, community. People love community. People love support and people love love. Safety. Bro. Safety. All I ain't gonna that, lie. Right? Exactly. Because I got there and I'm like, no, you, when you're the first time going to an event, you just you never know yeah. the people are going to be there. But everyone was cool, bro. Like, everyone was just mm -hmm. chill. Everyone was just, like, I felt, I felt the love. And you mm -hmm. really, yeah, I see, the, I, I, see I got that. I got that energy from the whole show. Like, you made me want to go back. Like, yeah, I got to come back. <laughs> For real. That's what's up, man. That's love. That's, For real. that's love. And you want, do you have plans on expanding even out of the the zoo absolutely so right now i'm actually um i just got word back from a venue i've been looking for other venues because obviously i need to expand um not only the amount of people that i can hold in the venue but the experience that i'm giving people that come um so for me the things that i have in sight for my next venue i want it to be able to comfortably comfortably hold between two to three hundred people i want it to be able to have features such as an actual full bar I think that's important in terms of just the vibe. Right. Um, um, and I also want a place to where um, the stage is bigger. So um, it gives people more of that. That con It gives the artists when they're on stage that more sense of like, I don't know really how to say it, but more of like that concert-y feel. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. An actual stage. Patio Poetry has a stage, obviously, but it's very small, right. very intimate, yeah. very compact. I want an actual elevated full stage, two big speakers on the side, DJ on the stage mixing, like that type of feel, that type of vibe. That'd be um, hard, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I found a venue in my in my neighborhood that I grew up in, Midtown, Midtown, Los Angeles. Shout out to Midtown. Yeah. Um, I, I found an event venue, and the way I found it was this was a very popular uh, venue that I used to go to when I was young. It used to be called the Mixed Nuts um, Comedy Club. Yeah. It's not called that anymore. It's, it's, it's Mexican-owned now. Um, and I think it's like a, a Mexican restaurant or whatever. But the space is beautiful. Wide open. They have a big elevated stage, full bar, VIP section in the back. They serve food, all that. So I had a meeting um, with the with the venue owner uh, two weeks ago. And um, so she got back to me just recently and, and gave me a price point. And um, it's, it's doable. It's doable. Um, and um, my intention is to throw an event there. Um, as my first event at the end of October. 
So that's that's the plan for that. In terms of mute genre growing as a brand, um, my ideas for that is to get licensing for mute genre. That way, I can actually sign artists onto the onto the entertainment group. Mm. That way, I can I can sign artists, put teams together. We can actually go on tour. We can get paid to go on tour. We can we can have things that we need funded by right. sponsors and investors, right? Uh, so actually, go ahead. Um, the, all that is uh, you can do that with just licensing your your brand, licensing, trademarking. Um, you know, I'm, I'm talking to a lady right now named Cynthia that does all of this stuff, and she's really been educating me on um, exactly what steps I need to take right. in order to get to where I'm trying to get. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's going to be more than licensing, but the steps that need to be taken are very doable, um, and it's in alignment with my vision. I want to be able to have people, ordinary people in inner city communities, to be able to come together as a collective and to get paid doing what we love. And the reason right, I keep yeah. saying getting paid is because I have a vision of not working for people personally. So I need to, yep. I want to put other people together that have that same vision. Don't matter if you're a DJ, don't matter if you're a photographer, don't matter what you are. If you, as long as you're in the creative arts and self-expression community, Mute Genre has a spot for you on there. So now we're going on tour. Now we're traveling around the world and now we're getting paid doing what we love and we ain't got to work for nobody no more. We're getting paid to do what we actually love right, to do. Yeah. So that's my vision for that. Um, aside of putting together teams, um, thinking about other events that I can throw aside of poetry. So I want to put on a dance production show at the end of this year. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of dance. I grew up in a household that was full of dancers. Okay. My mom was a yeah. drill team coach growing up. <laughs> uh, my older sister followed her footsteps and was a, a very successful dance and drill team coach. Mm -hmm. And my, my, my other older sister... Um, is actually Trek Coco, the one I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, she's traveling and traveling around the world, picking up different forms of dance right now as we speak. Oh, wow, yeah. So very inspiring. Um, you know, I just want to put on different types of events. I want to put on comedy shows. I want to put on dance shows. Yeah. I want mute genre to be very broad, very, very not in the box, right? No, 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 no. Not We're just not, poetry. Not just poetry. <laughs> I want rap battles. Who's throwing rap battles yeah, right now? Ain't nobody throwing no rap battles. So I want to be able to throw rap battles. I want to step outside of the box. Shit, I'm a fan of crumping. I want to bring crumping back. You feel me? Yeah, like, yeah. like, like, I'm I'm a fan of it. Bro, like, Rise like, is game changer, bro. You, like, next level, bro. Like, Tommy the Clown, I don't even know, man. I mean, that's just the beginning. I just know that, like, the main, you know. But, yeah, Trump, Crump, man. Mm -hmm. If you could bring that back and battle yes. rap, I guess out here in Cali, because we don't got really, like, yep. New York kind of has a little scene, but. Yeah. Yeah. So you trying to just do the whole, like, just an entertainment. Entertainment group. Yeah. So just sign everybody. Exactly. That just creates. Anybody who's a That's part tight. of the creative space, you got to be on a certain level. Right, so the quality, like I mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. the quality of talent that's gonna represent mute genre has to be top of the line, and not top of the line in terms of talent, top of the line in terms of vision, top of the line in terms of work ethic, mm. top of the line in terms of your craft being your baby. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're very focused on what you're trying to accomplish and what you're trying to do, just like me. Um, so anybody who, and I'm sure you can attest to this, will having you know your own brand. Anybody who's a part of that brand has to be a representation of you. Right. Your brand is a representation of you. Mm. Right? So anybody who you have involved with that, they got to be a certain caliber. They got to be a certain quality. That's crazy that you're saying. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So that's where I'm at with it right now. And uh, you wanted, um, you, you said you, um, your parents a lot and support you and everything, right? Your whole family, just they, they support your whole movement and your whole vision and everything. So, mm. they, they so, so for me, 
Um, it's kind of complicated. That's a complicated question for me because support comes in different forms. Right. Um, so my sister, Coquise, Coco, yeah, Coco, Coquise, I call her Coquise. Mm-hmm. Um, she's very like influential. She's like that influential supporter. Mm-hmm. So she's the one that's accessible. She's the one that's going to come to the event. She's the one that's going to give me ideas on how to make the event better. She's the one that's going to ask questions, have have interest in in what I have going on, really be like right there, front and center. Um, my mother is a, uh, um, I love my mother to death, shout out my mom. Um, she's a very religious woman. Um, and her life is consumed in that mm-hmm. bubble. Um, so when it comes to me inviting her out to an event like that, like what I have, it's it's just not her vibe, mm-hmm. so I respect that. My brother, shout out my brother Ace, um, he's the same way. Very religious. It's just not his vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, my father, we kind of rekindling our our relationship together, um, so that's not there yet. My little sister, she's been very supportive. Shout out Savannah, um, love her to death, and I have my cousin um, Charnay. Um, shout out to Charnay Mouton. Um, who's also similar to my sister, Coquise, to where she's, like, really there in it in terms of her support. Phone calls, what do you need, cuz? How can I help? When is the next event? What do you got going on? When you going to yeah. Like, it's, like, really, like, there day-to-day. Yeah. So, you know, that's why I answer the question like that, because yeah. it's, you know, the yeah. support. I know my mom loves me. I know my mom supports right, right. me, but it's, like, from And they don't understand either? They don't get it? Or? It's just not... They're not into just, it. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they're not into it. But they it. still wish the best for you and they want you to succeed, exactly. right? Exactly. So, so how do they feel when they find out like, oh, shit, you, I'm, I'm, drop, I'm leaving my job and it's just, I'm going to pursue my dream? Because <laughs> that's crazy. That's yeah. a crazy step. Especially yeah. when like, obviously your parents want, they want the best for their kids. They don't want, they don't understand the, obviously the vision. So they're just like, yeah. they're, they're thinking, ah, oh, shit, he just, he's probably going down the wrong path type yeah. or you get me yeah. or... So how do you yeah. how do you balance that? So for me, my mom is that person. My mom is that person that that says, "Boy, what the hell are you doing? Quitting your job? Right? What are you thinking? You giving up your house? You doing what?" My mom is very southern. My mom is is very. Um, she believes a lot in structure. Right. Yeah. And um, stability is the word I was looking for. Believes a lot in stability and being stable. So when I tell her, you know, mom, I'm quitting my job. Um, giving up my house because that'll allow me to have more money in my pocket to pursue my dream, to fund my dream. Um, it's like, that's like a second language to her. She don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for my sister, Coquise, that's like, great, do that shit because she's doing it right now as we speak. She gave up her house. She gave up her car. She's she's very, um, she has a lot to do with the with where I'm going right now, just watching her and how successful she's been on her journey um, with having so much faith in her dream. That's inspired me beyond words. See, that's cool that you have someone like just close by that's actually you witness it happening. Because seeing with me is just like I look at um, just people that are starting up, you know, just like celebrity, not even celebrities, but just people that have already a platform. Like I'm not even familiar with like Taxstone or, or yeah, Tax, yeah, yeah, see, like absolutely. even Tax. Like I thought like, he was just he was just beginning, and the yeah. way he was in to take off, it just that's that's motivating because really just stick to yeah. it, just stick to it. Be consistent, be patient, yeah. and this shit gonna work out. Yeah. Like, it really is. Like all that motivational books and that that's just facts, bro. Yeah. Do it every day. Be be inspired every day, and just keep pushing towards what you want to do, and right. it's gonna happen right. regardless. Like you, you see, like, you see, you see that happening, right? With even that's with just real. with mute genre and then Absolutely. the pat- the patio poetries. 
Mm-hmm. I see that happening with my podcast, man. Absolutely. Like for real. Like I've been I've been consistent every week and it's not even just to, to flex about it, it's just I even feel like that's, that's a goal in itself to me. Like, damn, yeah. I finally started something and I'm doing something. Regardless of, I feel like it could be better. Right. Like, I always feel like it could be better. I could always. do this better. I could always get better. But right now, I'm doing with the, I'm dealing with the resources I got. So it's yep. cool. I just keep pushing. Yep. And, hey, man, the meeting you, eventually, hopefully, some, someone's going to listen to this and be like, oh, I, I messed with Kid. Oh, I messed with the podcast. Oh, Absolutely. I'm going to follow I'm going to follow That's Absolutely. the goal right there eventually. That's the, that's the reason to reach out to these people that are doing right. their thing because... Like you understand, yep. you see the vision. You like, ah, I fuck with you. I fuck with it. That's that's tight. That's tight to me. <laughs> to be honest, up. man. That's what's up. Real talk. But yeah, man, it's just um, my bad. Know, get excited. <laughs> no, I'm right with you. I'm right, I'm right with you. This shit amped me up, bro. Yeah. So it's like you know, for me, a lot of people talk about their vision. A lot of people talk about what they want to do. They don't. A lot of people talk about how good this sound. Oh, it take a special person to put actions behind it. When it don't look clear and you still walk, that's different. And what I mean by that is, for me personally, I'll just use a personal example right now. I just came back from Arizona. With $40 in my pocket, not a room to stay at, right? Not worried about how I'm going to eat. Not worried about none of that shit. Because once you have faith in something higher than you, and I'm not religious. I believe in the universe. I believe in the law of attraction, I believe that what you put out and what you affirm, you will receive as long as you feel it. So when I show the universe, I'm not just talking about it. I'm going to go anyway. And I go out there. And before I went to Arizona, I said, I said, I'm going to have a place to sleep. I affirmed all this before it happened. I promised to God on my daughter. Before I went to Arizona, I affirmed. I said, when I go to Arizona, I'm going to have a place to sleep. I'm going to have food in my stomach. We're going to have enough gas to make it there. We're going to have enough gas to make it back. Everything is under control. It's going to be a great show. I'm going to have a great performance. I'm going to get a great reception, a lot of support, a lot of love. I experienced every single thing I affirmed. That's crazy. And so I went on stage. It's so crazy. Like, like, like alignment is crazy. Yeah. I go to Arizona, bro, first and foremost. I'm in Arizona. I'm looking around like, what the fuck? I'm really <laughs> out here. You feel me? So I get on, I, I'm, I go to the event, and I was skeptical about signing up at first because the list wasn't full yet. And so yeah. I'm like, I kind of want to go in the middle, just kind of like fill it out, fill the vibes out. And so I go sit down, and I meet the event coordinator um, that I've been in contact with. He was expecting me. And he's like, did you sign up in the front? I said, no, I didn't sign up yet because I just kind of want to feel the vibe out. You know right, what I'm saying? Yeah. And just, he like, no, go sign up now. I'll still have you go in the middle. So I'm like, all right, for sure. Don't worry about it. So I go and I'm sitting down. They introduce the host of the event, right? Let me know if I'm talking too much. Now you good, bro. Go um, talk. So, so they introduce the host to the event. And he comes on stage. He got the list in his hand. And he turns the list around to the audience and he says... If there's anybody in here that's looking to perform that didn't put their name on here and you thinking about performing, raise your hand and put your name on it. Don't hesitate, right? And also, if you're a person, look at alignment, bro. Look how the universe yeah. works. Look how God works. He said, if you are, and I'm sitting right in the front row. I'm right in front of him. He say, if you're a person in here that put your name at a particular order, thinking that you're going to go last or whatever, we don't go by that anyway. So I'm literally about to pick a random name off this list to go first. 
Who name you think that was? Yours. Damn, bro. QT, you in the building? That's what he said. I'm right here, bro. I'm ready. He said, you ready? I'm ready. That's opportunity. Yeah. Everything is alignment. Why am I going first? Wow. That's crazy. Set the tone. That's so, so I get on stage, right? Yeah. I get on stage. I shake his hand, and I bring it in with my shoulder. Yeah. When I bring it in, he said, where are you from? I said, I'm from Los Angeles. I drove out here just for this event. He said, all right, for sure. He get on there. He introduced me as, you know what I'm saying, QT from Los Angeles. Y'all give him a good reception. I get on the stage, bro. I perform my first piece. Boom. First piece. I start off with power. Right? Start off with power. Reception is crazy. Energy is crazy. Host comes on stage. He said, only perform one piece. Yeah. He comes on stage, takes the, asks for the mic, and he's like, this man came and drove out here just to come to this event. If y'all want to hear him perform another piece, make some noise. So he let me perform two pieces. Okay. And so I performed my piece, Hypocrite, right? Yeah. That was inspired by Kendrick Lamar. Performed that piece, went crazy. When I'm getting off the stage, he's like, is there anything else you need? And I'm like, to be honest with you, I need a place to stay tonight. Me and my boy, Logic. Shout out my man, Logic. Shout out, Logic. Um... Me and my man, Logic need somewhere to stay. He's like, don't worry about that. I got you. Wow. 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 Everything's taken care of. So I get off stage. Damn. The night's over. We go to this dude's house. Beautiful house. Has a fucking guest room. Like, it's beautiful. He's like, and I'm like, is this a fucking dream? Super cool ass dude, yeah. like whatever y'all need. Here go some towels. If y'all need some food, help yourself in the refrigerator. Like here's some water. You good? Whatever you need. Boom. That's alignment, and that's just how it go. You know what I'm saying? So I say that to say a lot of people talk about what they want to do, and they don't trust it because they're so focused on how it's gonna happen. How it's gonna happen is not our job to figure out. That once we realize that, mm -hmm. we will have everything we want, right? Our right. job is to set the intention on what we want. So I'm telling you right now, right now on this podcast, that I'm going to New York City next week. Don't have a room paid for. Don't have enough right now as it stands, and I won't have enough tomorrow. I'll have enough tomorrow for a flight ticket where I'm going to stay at. That's not my job. My job is not to figure out where I'm going to stay. Let the universe figure that out. So I tell the universe, I will have a place to stay. I will have a hotel to stay at when I go to New York City. And everything is going to align because I believe it, right? So once we do that, man, and just put actions, our job is to just put actions behind it. Action and intention. That's what our job good is. Good intention, man. Good intention. Yeah. Good energy. Love people. Treat people good. And you're going to get whatever you want. It, I have this theory, and I don't know if it's just me. It's just, it's just some shit I came up with. I, I, I say that the law of attraction is God. Mm-hmm. That's when people was like, I don't really believe in like all the religious shits all BS to me, but that's God in me. Like the law of attraction, like you putting good energy into the mm -hmm. world, you doing good shit, and mm -hmm. that karma or whatever, but that it reciprocates back. Mm -hmm. That's God right there working. Mm -hmm. And pe I, I'm like, fuck, like I mean, people, I people need like people need like a, like an object to call God or something. Like no, no. It's it, it's a, that's 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 crazy when you said that because I'm like, that's that's how I feel about yeah. it. I feel like it's a law of attraction. It's energy. That's crazy, yeah. man. That's crazy though, man. Yeah. You get over there and like. What yeah. the Everything taken care of. Yeah, because I'm so scared to even do shit like that. Like, I would be scared to do shit like some shit like that, man. Just as in, I think about it too much. Like, nah, I'm not going to have nowhere to stay at. Yeah. I don't think like, man, fuck that. We're going to, we, we, we good. Anyway. We good. I always think the worst about shit, bro, and it's, and it's not healthy. It's not healthy at all. 
once you shift that energy, you will have whatever you want. And peep game off this. This how the law of attraction works. This is how crazy it is, right? And I'm gonna stop calling it crazy because it's alignment. It's supposed to happen. We mm -hmm. deserve it. We worthy of it. Um, attracting something negative is harder than attracting something positive. We so negative all day. Traffic. Why is there traffic all over the place? Time. Why am I late all the time? All this shit that we complain about on a daily basis, the universe is always listening. And it gives us every single thing we put out. So when you're sitting in traffic and you're complaining about traffic, guess what you're about to get more of? Traffic. Once you're in traffic and you're sitting down and you're chilling, this is me in traffic, bro. I swear to God. It's going to be a breeze. Bro, it's a breeze <laughs> because time and space don't exist. Yeah, that's, man, gems. It, it don't exist. Who created time? That don't exist. White man. That does not exist. So once, <laughs> once, once you eliminate the idea of always, I'm late, I'm never on, take that shit out the equation. There is no limit to where you can go and time don't exist. So for me, I set my intention and I just go. Just do it. You're going to be scared. So what? Right? You're going to be scared. The fear is going to come. But we have a choice in that moment when we're feeling scared. We have a choice. We either going to do it anyway and find out what happens or we going to allow the fear to, to control us and we're going to sit our asses at home while our dreams is on the other side of the gate. Not knowing that once we jump on the other side of the gate, there was no boogeyman over there in the first place. We, all, we made that shit up. Fear don't exist. So I live my life by that, by that law. I live my life by that rule. And I know for a fact that I'm on a journey right now and God, the universe, the creator has me on a journey that's wide open and his communication is very clear on what to do, right? So... Do you still believe in praying or... Of course, yeah, okay. absolutely. Well, I basically think, just talking, yeah, my, yeah, my bad, yeah. I mean, I think prayer is very important uh -huh. um, in terms of connection, in terms of just, you know, having alignment um, and in terms of just being at peace. Um, I think it's very important. Um, I was just talking to my friend Diana earlier um, about this and... I mean, whether you reference, first and foremost, God is a title. That's not a name. So God is a title just like mom, dad, sister, right. brother. And there's many gods. Some view Satan as a god. Mm -hmm. So when we're not specific, who are you talking to? Right? Lord is a title. It's not, I'm yeah. not going to get into all that. Yeah. But, but for me, when I pray, just refer to him as the creator. There's only one creator. Right? Facts. Creator, God, whatever, right? Summons that and just put out what I what I want. So I'm not the type that prays and begs and, oh, my God, my life is falling right <laughs> yeah, now. Please yeah. help me. Please help me. No. Mm -hmm. the, the way I pray, God, creator, I approach you today um, to thank you in advance because you're allowing me to go to New York City next week with no money. No intention, not knowing how I'm going to have everything I want. And I want to thank you so much in advance for taking care of everything I need. Thank you for that so much, right? If I'm going through a, a drastic situation in my life, I'm going to thank God for it. People complain about getting their car repossessed, about getting evicted, about having being late on their bills, about all this societal shit. None of it exists, really. None of it exists. It's all fake. It's all Bad, a loop. Bro. bro, none of that shit exists. No, so... No. 
If I'm going to sit here and complain about a bill and somebody's on a cancer, in a cancer hospital fighting for their life, I'm complaining about a light bill? I'm complaining about my car that just got repossessed? I'm complaining about me having to move out of my house and go live back with my mom or whatever you're going through. You know what I mean? I just always choose to view the positive in everything. And it is not easy. Nobody said it's easy. It is not not. easy to do that, especially when shit is coming from all different angles and you like, how the fuck am I supposed to do this, that, this, that? Once we just allow silence, just shut it all down. So you don't really, you don't get caught up in the society norms as in paying bills or even, you don't care about like, ah, fuck it, I'll just let that shit go. Well, no, that's not my mindset. Okay, so you still... You still kind of... You got to... You got to... Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you. I'm not saying fuck your bills. I'm not saying... But I get what you mean. Fuck your house. You need shelter, right? I'm saying don't allow that to have control over you. Okay, yeah. Right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So... People do freak out about it and... What, oh, mm-hmm. we're going to do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We allow it to have control over us, right? In this society, in this, you know, world that we live in. We allow those things to have control over us and how we're going to feel. So no matter what you're going through, you still have a choice. Mm-hmm. You can either be happy or you can be sad. It's very simple, even if it feels hard. That's all I'm saying. Um, so I just choose to be happy. Am I sitting here saying I don't ever get mad? I don't ever get angry? I don't ever get depressed? I don't ever get lonely? Of course, I'm still a human yeah. being. But in those moments, I catch myself. Okay, Q, you in the slumps right now, and you have a decision. You have a choice. You, you always have a choice, oh, yeah. no matter what you're going through. So... I've been through so much in my life. Um, you know, I've been on the other side, too, to where I've looked at everything is, you know, everything's negative. The world is falling. The fucking sky is falling. Um, why is this happening to me? And all mm-hmm. this shit. But I'm also experiencing right now in my life the other side. Right. To where when things are going bad, I still have a choice to smile. I still have a choice to give. I still have a choice to impact people. So I'm focusing on that. I'm going to focus my energy on that. So that's where I'm at right now. You said you started uh, writing when you were six years old. No, in sixth, sixth grade. grade. Sixth yep, grade. Yep. Um, how did how did poetry come about? How did writing come about? Like, were you influenced by rap, hip hop, obviously, or maybe, yep. or how did it come about? So for me, man, it's funny. I started writing poetry without realizing it was poetry, and the reason I started writing was because I had a lot of chaos going on in my house. My dad was a crack cocaine user, and he would come home all the time um, from being out late night using. And he'd argue with my mom all night, all day, all night. And coming home from school and seeing this and not being able to sleep at night because there's so much chaos and so much commotion. I was very um, introverted when I was young. So I held in my emotions. I didn't really express that with people. Um, I, I always had the, 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 the painted smile on, for lack of a better word. Um, when I would go to school, when I would be around my friends and just act like everything is cool. When internally, I'm, I'm hurt. I'm sad. I couldn't sleep last night because my dad was arguing with my mom until four in the morning. And now I'm at school. I'm unfocused. I'm taking my anger out on the teachers. I'm rebellious. I'm walking out. I'm, you know what I mean? Just doing Mm -hmm. all this shit. And so um, I started journaling in sixth grade. Um, But I'm also a hip hop fan. I grew up listening to Bone Thugs and Harmony, Sugar Free, Ice Cube. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Just those types of influences growing up. And um, I just started writing out my emotions and my feelings on paper. And rhyming with it a little bit mm-hmm. every here and there. 
not saying that 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 you have to rhyme to do poetry because you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started writing my emotions out when I was in sixth grade, and I'll never forget it. And I fell in love with how it made me feel. Um, that's a freeing experience to somebody who's 11 to 12 years old. Um, because when you're that age and you got all that shit going on at home, um, you sometimes feel like you don't have nobody to talk to. You have nobody who's going to listen to you. Mm-hmm. And you have nobody who gives a fuck about what you're going through. So um, what a lot of people do is they, they, they hone in that energy, which is what I was doing, and they'll take it out on other people, not realizing energetically you're going through some shit and you just got to address it. What poetry allows you to do is it, is it allows you to express yourself, and the paper has to listen. The paper ain't ever going to reject you. The paper Bar. ain't never going to tell you I don't feel like it. The paper ain't never going to tell you why you yelling at me, mm. why you crying at me. I don't want to hear it right now. Wow, yeah. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. You can express whatever emotions you're going through on that paper. And so I, I allowed my soul and my, and my emotions and just everything in me to just be free. You know what I mean? And just start writing. I started performing rap in high school, ninth grade. And... um started started getting more in front of audiences and I was really heavily influenced by my 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 ninth grade English teacher, Mr. Edwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to Los Angeles High School. So shout out Mr. Edwards from LA High. That's a straight up legend. <laughs> um he he was the reason. He was he was the absolute reason I started performing. And I say that because he saw something in a kid that I didn't see in myself at that age. He saw he saw presence, he saw potential, he saw passion in me, and he saw he saw a gift of writing that I had. He saw that before you even performed. Before I performed, and I'm gonna tell you why. Um, His final in his class was something called a bio rap. Each student in the class had to write a bio rap, obviously a biography about yourself, and you have to deliver it in a form of rap. Mm -hmm. Every single kid, it don't matter. I don't know how to rap. I don't know how to write. Don't matter. You're gonna fail if you don't. Yeah. So make your choice. So he had this ju- this like boom box, like a uh, karaoke box in front of the class with a microphone attached to it. And so your final was you have to go up on that. You have to go up <laughs> in front of the class, grab the mic, and you gotta perform your shit. Beat or no beat, it's up to you. Yeah. And so me been writing so long, and me, you know what I mean, just being in love with hip hop, that was like dope to me. But performing was like nerve wracking. It was like the nerves would kick in, the anxiety would kick in, the fear would kick in. I'm like, I don't know if I could do this shit in front of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I just will never forget Mr. Edwards just always coaching me through it. The the types of the, the type of belief that this man had in me at that age, he would put me in front of kids outside. We had a, a theater called the Corman Theater, which is where like a performance arts theater basically. Mm-hmm. And we would have rallies here and shit like that for the school. And I'll never forget one day. Uh, and there's probably couple hundred people in the Corman Theater. Mm. Um, he's doing like a fucking workshop presentation for people. And I'm in back. I'm in the back. I'm downstairs by the stage just chilling on my phone. And the, the rally is over. You can press the, what's the name? One time you press close. Um, the, the rally is over. And he's like, my, my name in high school was Q-Bone. Mm-hmm. So he's like, Q-Bone, where you at? And I'm like, what the fuck is this nigga calling me for? <laughs> so he like, Q-Bone, where you at? And so I come up. I'm like, what's good? He like, come over here. You about to rap in front of all these people. And I'm like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Hell 
to them, no, I'm not doing that shit. No, I'm good. And he forced my ass to get up over there, called somebody out in the audience, said, who know how to make a beat? Grab this microphone for him. He making a beat, beatboxing. And he like, you got to rap. And so I performed my piece called The Champ, which I still know to this day. It's crazy. Wow. And I performed that piece in front of all these people, and the reception was just crazy. Um, but yeah, man, that that's kind of, you know, I don't want to go on a tangent, but... Um, I started writing poetry in sixth grade because, you know, it helped me with my emotions um, and the shit that I was going through at home. It was a good release. And I started performing poetry and I, I started performing rap and performing in front of people in ninth grade, 10th grade, all that good shit. So that's that's how I started. The, um, you remember your first your first poem? I mean, your first, yeah, your first verses and all that? My first bio rap? Yeah, you class? remember that? I remember that. You remember your bio rap? I remember my bio rap. That. I remember my bio rap. Let's fit that bio rap. Let's fit that. I said, OP, OP. This is 06. 06. 06. Now the champ is here. Did you hear it? He's in town. He came up creeping and he didn't make a sound. So listen up closely to what I'm about to say because when the champ start the rapping, you're going to see that he don't play. I'm a young nigga, homie, and I'm new to the game. And when I start blowing up, it ain't nobody to blame. I'm always fresh every time I come on the scene. Have your girl doing what I say like I was a dean. I see them girls up in the cut and I'm the one that they crave. I just tell them their time is up like I'm Flavor Flav. I ain't trying to sound like a pimp. I'm just telling the truth because I'm in and out these girls like they was a phone booth. So just listen to what I say, cause this ain't no riddle. Got that fresh tea on with the crease in the middle. And my <laughs> neck is real cold from the ice that I'm wearing. And it's glowing real big, cause I see you staring. I got them dickies on with that boot cell phone. Wonder why your girl on me is because the cologne. See, it's your boy Q Bone, never taking no crap. And I think I proved my point, so let's call it a wrap. <laughs> Yo, that's hard. Yeah, that, was, that was ninth grade. That was ninth grade. And what did everybody say when you, when you said that? It said was that. bananas. The following year, 10th grade year, Mr. Edwards told me, I need you to write another bio rap. Yeah. I wasn't supposed to write it, right? Because I've already done it in ninth grade. I've already did it. I need you to write another bio rap, and I'm going to use you as an illustration as to how it should be, right? And right. I had to go home and write another bio rap, right? And it went like I said. Yeah, spit it, spit it. 
Oh no, homeboy, I bet you thought I was done. It's the champ, <laughs> and I'm about to have some more fun. When these flows come out, everybody's saying, wow, they saying, stop, Q-Bone, we got to throw in the towel, because it's a B-I-O to the R-A-P. All them haters out there want to be like me. I'm eating up all the contestants like a bag of fries, because Edwards always told me, keep my eyes on a prize. Um, damn, I forgot that. the rest. I forgot the rest. Yo, I forgot the rest, but I got it at that's home. That's skill already. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's man. Like, <laughs> man, I need to go try it, bro. <laughs> yeah, I got you, bro. Let me know. I, I wish I could rap so bad, man, but I don't got the patience to. <laughs> I want to be so tight that I, I can't even do it. Yeah. It's not. It's not my feel. Like. Straight let just, up. Let me just leave that to y'all. That's yeah. crazy. You still remember that shit? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. What, what, would you, what would you say was your first like most powerful piece though that you that you saw? Cause that wasn't like on, on some. Nah, nah, that wasn't on some. You know, that on was some on power some play, shit. Play shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's definitely my piece. That's life. Um, I wrote that piece last year. Um, right before I, so I went to a, I went to an event. I got inspired um, to start writing poetry at. And um, was there someone specifically that you saw that you were just yeah, like, yeah, I'm gonna do poetry. Yeah, two people. Nerd raps. Shout out my Ooh, man, nerd shout out. motherfucking Yo, raps. I did him on the podcast. I, I pitched the idea already. I just haven't yeah. followed up. But yeah, yeah, my bad. I went to an event that was hosted by my boy, Brandon Harris. He on, the, he on Instagram. Damn. Handsome Harris. Um, that's my guy, man. I went to an event that my sister invited me to. I was going through a lot. And I went to this event just to kind of just see, you know what I'm saying? I ain't never seen no poetry scene in my life. Yeah. I didn't know they had open mics. I didn't know none of this shit. So I go, I see nerd raps, and I see brown skin perform from Unplugged. Shout out Unplugged, shout out brown skin. I see them perform. And I'm like, yo, <laughs> oh, this is what they doing? <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is what nerd, y'all doing? Nerd, nerd crazy, bro. Okay. I, yo, nerd hard. I, I got impressed to mm-hmm. at the poetry at the, the event. Nerd is that dude, man. He's... He's he's featured before at Patio Poetry and Brown Skin Breely. She's featured before at Patio Poetry. I'm huge fans of both of them. Um, and I'll tell you what, man. That next day, I went home and I wrote "That's Life," and that that's some may say that's still my most impactful, influential, deepest piece that I have right now. Um, that's the piece that a lot of poets know me by. That's life. Um, I go deep talking about my life. I'm Can we hear about, it real quick? Sure, man. That's, that's cool with me. I want to hear it. Um, let's get it. Go for it. Let me see. <clears throat> Five years old was my earliest memory. Plymouth and Pico was where I called home. Mid-city to be exact. Home full of addicts, cigarettes, smoke, loud noise, and black folks. See, I was constantly feeling like the outcast of the house just because of the shit said like. Pula. Is that quitting over there smelling like piss with the snotty nose and the big head? Is that quitting over there telling again? Is that quitting over there doing some nasty shit? He's supposed to be playing in the dirt, not eating the dirt outside with Benjamin. He's supposed to be in a room with Ace playing video games. Not up in here with the grown folks. Come get this boy out the way. See, everything that you ask from me, you have to ask me at least five times in five different tones from five different people, all asking the same shit. My head was harder than titanium. You just couldn't get nothing through my substantially large gargantuan cranium. I said, that's life, though. I remember being 10 years old at Queen Anne Elementary School, a goddamn fool when I allowed myself to constantly get used. I had five best friends. Mert, Hanak, Chris, Felipe, and Juan. I was always somehow the number one candidate when it was time to do some bad shit like, Quentin, let's go in the bathroom and set the trash cans on fire. Why they all pass me the paper and matchstick? 
I get caught, I get suspended, I think the shit was funny, so I start to high-five and laugh. Until it was time for my mom to walk in my class and beat my ass. See, my mom, my mom worked at my damn elementary school, so when other kids would get in trouble and go to the principal, my mom would be like, boy, you getting a hundred licks with that switch, so take your ass straight home after school. I said, that's life, though. Valuable lessons taught, hardships fought, went through enough shit, so now I can share with the world this chalk talk. My insecurities... Yeah, my insecurities. They started when I was hella young. I was always the butt of a joke, a punchline of a girl telling me no. And still within my mental, self-doubt, self-hate. At times wanting to slip my own throat. At times wanting to jump ship. At times wanting to sneak sips of my mom's red wine. At times wanting to flip, leave the house and dip. I swear to God I even thought about turning crip. I realized I wasn't perfect and it wasn't worth it. You see, my pops, my pops was heavy off that pipe when I was a young buck. This man gave no fucks. I think he even contributed to me constantly feeling like I'm never good enough. Constantly wanting to give up, even at this age. My pops would get off work at 8 p.m. and get home at 5. My mom been up all night waiting on this nigga to come inside. I know deep down inside she was just stressed the fuck out. Not knowing if her husband was outside, dead or alive. Watching the cry still haunts me. Sometimes I would pray to God that he would die, quite honestly. I never knew how to deal with my emotions as a young guy. My pops come home hot. You with me? My pops come home high, curse my mom the fuck out Lay out on the big couch and relax with his toes out Next morning he making bacon and eggs like ain't shit happen I swear to God if I had a strap in that moment I would clap him I swear to God if I had my mom in that moment I would slap him Tell him to get packing, put a shotgun to his face and ask that nigga what's cracking And make dinner the same night for the kids like ain't shit happen He come in the crib, smelling like ass with swollen lips See at 12 years old I never really understood this like Mom Mom, is Pops out all night fighting people? Why every time Pops come home late, his lips swollen? At 15 years old, I realized he was letting that pipe control him. Addiction so strong, he hit that hot pipe and sucked poison. He don't stop until it burned, but that shit got him numb. How dumb to be a crack fiend. I hear that shit is worse than weed, PCP, promethazine mixed with a little bit of methamphetamine. You ever be at the gas station, see a motherfucker twitching, scratching their head, look like some shit from The Walking Dead? See, I've always knew the dangers drugs had to offer, so I became addicted to self-expression when I was young. Addicted to seeing my pen make love to the paper, y'all yeah, was sprung. Gave that shit the power to control me, that shit stole me and gave me the force. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Black King. 26. That's 2017, me. Same boy. It's just now my nose ain't snotty, you see. Visions are changing the world with love, peace, and poetry, and love with the simple things and never needing to be seen. I learned how that universe really work. It's just power and energy. Laws of attraction is what unites us all here. I learned fear is just an illusion, deception, a fallacy. And I want to understand everything that I touch is a masterpiece. I said that's life, though. What's that peach right there, Fucking QT, that's man. Appreciate it, man. Do you think, do you think um, the, approach is, the approach of doing it as poetry instead of music is, is, hits more? Or? Yeah. I've gotten asked that question multiple times. And I'll tell you why. When you're doing music, and I'm a huge hip-hop fan, so this is no knock to anybody who raps. I think and I feel that if there was a beat on top of what I was saying, it would take away the passion that you feel when you hear it. What, what spoken word allows me to do it is that it allows me to not only embody my piece more, but it allows me to deliver my piece in a way that's being felt um, on a higher level, in my opinion, um, for, for my listeners when they hear that. Um, because... There's multiple times where I've performed that piece and I couldn't get through it. I stopped and I start crying. 
um, because I, it, it it forces me to relive my childhood. Right. It yeah. forces me to to see my dad coming into the house with the swollen lips and me feeling shameful and me feeling angry when he's when he's fighting with my mom and it forces me to relive that. And so the structure for spoken word, the way I deliver it, it's it's I, I just can't see that being put on a beat because it'll take away from the passion, it'll take away the emotional charge that's behind it. Um so for me it it, it allows me to embody my pieces more. And it allows me to um, uh, perform them. On yeah, that yeah, I, I yeah. definitely feel it. Like I feel like you just like like you just yeah. The impact is way more harder than you, you can tell them over the beat because yeah. over the beat sometimes the beat's better than exactly. Or sometimes people just want to hear the beat. Yeah, I feel you exactly. So, but how, how do you plan just to for the poetry for the poetry just to expand? Like, how do you want yeah. it to reach different ears besides yeah. going to events? Because obviously people don't go to events. Absolutely. So how do you want people just to hear the message? Absolutely. So taking advantage of opportunities like this. Right mm. to where I'm able to go to different. To, to, you have artists in LA who wouldn't come here, that I know personally, mm-hmm. right? That think the only way to reach people is by staying in my little bubble and performing at specific events. For mm-hmm. me, I want to take advantage of every single opportunity that I have in order to get my message out. So whether if that's a, a podcast, whether that's me right now working on my YouTube channel to where I'm able to upload poetry, where I'm able to upload my journey and allow people to follow me, uploading videos and performances on Instagram. Not only that, but going, like I just came from Arizona, mm-hmm. going out on faith to different cities, different states, and eventually different countries and performing. My vision for me I can see myself so clearly, so clearly on stages in Atlanta, stages in New Orleans, stages in Baltimore, Chicago, New York City. So I'm, I'm sorry, so mostly just where the, where the black people, where the people are, right? Not just black people, but um, for me, the reason I say those, those states is to keep in mind, uh, you, you have a man that's talking that's never been on a flight in his life. So when I think about those cities, those are the cities that I think about culture. I think mm. about like that, that when I think about Chicago, it's like the first things that come to my mind is like arts, hip hop, underground, rawness. You know what I mean? Same thing with New Orleans, same thing with Atlanta. Um, you know what I mean? I think about that type of vibe. The first thing I think about with New York is just arts. Right. That's the home of like the artists of all kinds. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so I want to eventually get to a point to where I can travel out and do like a, a, a European tour. I can do a, a tour in Europe, London, France, Paris, all these different places. You know what I mean? So my vision for that is very broad um, in terms of how I want to expand, how I want to deliver my message in a way um, to where more ears and more eyes can see. Have you thought about doing colleges? Yeah, somebody actually just brought that to my attention the other day. I was talking about going on tour out of state. And somebody told me that I should do a college tour. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm definitely open to that. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, putting the game putting plan the behind end. it and, and, and and pushing that. I would love to do that. That would be, that'd be dope, bro. Yeah, Even just like a that. SoCal run real quick just yeah. to just start get it popping. Yeah. That'd be I dope. Would, I would love to do that. Absolutely. What else? Um, any other kind of events you're trying to do? Um, I want to do a comedy show. Um, and the reason being is because I'm a huge fan of comedy. Yeah. And there's a lot of comedians I'm seeing in this community that... That that people, it's first of all, it's really difficult to be a comedian. Okay, hold on. How do you feel about the IG comedians though? Those are, some the, are some yeah. are funny, but how yeah. do you how do you feel about them? Um, you think it's oversaturated now? Like, are they just whatever funny or? You have some guy because it's a it's different. It's a difference with being a clown, which I'm not knocking, 
and being a comedian. Okay. A comedian actually has versatility, right? You can take them out of one element, put them in a different one. That's why Eddie Murphy and these guys are so great. The, how many characters have we seen Eddie Murphy play? Mm, That's a true comedian. That's a comedic mastermind. Yeah. A lot of these dudes on Instagram, and I'm not knocking nobody because I'm actually a fan of a couple of them. Yeah. A lot of these dudes are just clowning around. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So com comedic-wise, I'm a fan of uh, HaHa Davis. You can follow him on Instagram. I'm a huge fan of that <laughs> dude, man. I was just watching his videos while I was sitting outside. And you know, <laughs> Like, dude is next fucking level funny. Um, you think so? I I'm, I, I I'm think, a huge fan I of I think him. he got corny after the first video, after the first couple of videos. I'm in he tears. He started incorporating the... It's a breeze with everything. And it just, it just didn't make sense. For me, what's funny to me is the skits to where he's acting as his dad. Yeah. <laughs> the football one, bro. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's my shit. Um, to where he's acting as his dad because for me, that shows versatility. Yeah. You know what I mean? That shows that you can jump into another character and still nail that. You know what I mean? Um, and his facial expressions. Once his face shifts and he makes like that, that face of like... God. I don't know what the fuck like those prison skits when he's like in the cell yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean not so much the it's about to be a breeze shit I don't even pay attention to that I'm just like waiting for the skit to start um, I think he's hilarious um, <laughs> uh, guys like Bunk you follow yeah. him he's not a comedian not. so he's just a guy with a camera who does dumb shit yeah. well, I'm, fat boy fat boy cause I think fat boy is funny bro, but I can see the ignorance He's, I hitting, can see that he's hitting. He and I love him, and I love what he's doing, and I love how positive he yeah. is and his message that he puts out. Um, aside of what he does, um, but he's hit and miss for me. He kind of disrespectful sometimes, though. Yeah, he can. He can be doing too much sometimes. I'm not a fan of people just straight up disrespecting somebody. Yeah. Like, and I don't know if these skits are real or fake, so that's why I'm kind of hesitant to give my opinion on them. Um, that is true. You can't even tell. I don't him. know what's planned and what's not. I, I don't. You know? I feel like I, I can tell based off of people's reactions. Like the, yesterday, he posted a video where he's in Subway. Subway. And the, that guy, and the was guy completely yeah, he, yeah. He, no, he looked mad. Like, yeah. he's like, what the fuck? But he's yeah. like, I can't stop dancing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's funny. I just don't, I don't view him as a comedian uh, per se. And it's funny because Charlamagne the God said the same thing when he was on the Breakfast Club recently. Charlamagne the God said, he, You're not a comedian. You're a. Like a, a clown. I'm not, you know, knocking you for that. That is true, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're, you're not a comedian. True, yeah. I can't put you on a stage. Well, I'm not going to say that. You never know. I just well, don't see a, him. He's going to be doing getting gigs now. I think he's working with 50. He's going to be on BT now and shit, too. That'll be dope. That'll be good to see him elevate. I'm rooting for him no matter what he does. But in terms of just me being a fan, yeah, nah. Comedian. So yeah. what, what are your favorite comedians right now that are out or old? Or... My top okay, favorite. Out. Recent comedians. Right favorite. now, currently active, my top top favorite comedian right now is Tyree Spivey. Tyree Spivey. Follow him on Instagram at the fake Tyree. By far, in my opinion, the most versatile, the most funny, the most consistent comedian the out. What? The fake Tyree. Shout out my man. Tyree? Tyree Spivey. The fake Tyree. Um, there he is right there. Boom. Shout out my man Tyree Spivey. Yeah. That is that's my favorite comedian out right now. He's he's performed at Patio Poetry. Uh, I think he had, he should have some footage on his page. I yeah, believe yeah, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, of Patio Poetry. Uh, he he featured at my last show. Just a straight up funny, consistent. Yeah. I love all of his skits, and I love him. more than that. I love how he is in person when you meet him. 
so humble, so approachable, so like, you know, you see how many fucking followers yeah, this guy yeah. has. Yeah, he's, he he's, he's on a rise. And I seen him perform the first time at Unplugged. Shout out Unplugged again. Um, I saw him perform at Unplugged. And I'm like, yo, this dude is next level. My second favorite comedian out right now is probably, um, oh, it's a toss up. I, I like dudes from the community. So I'm exactly. Community. I know. I always like local shit better, like, bro. Before it um, blows up. Right. I'm not going to say Kevin Hart. I'm not, you know. Right, um, <laughs> Teddy Ray. Teddy Ray. Follow Teddy Ray. Um, he's appeared on. Um, on um, Teddy Ray? Teddy Ray. Um, he's appeared on Wild and Out. Teddy Ray Comedy? Te- Teddy Ray Comedy. Just a straight up funny ass dude, and it turns out we went to the same high school. We both went to LA High the same. Oh, he's year. on All Def Digital, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh wow, he's really? funny. Yeah, yeah. he's funny. He's yeah. funny. Yeah. Yep. So I, you know, I saw him at Unplugged for the first time too, and I'm like, yo, this dude is fucking hilarious. And um, I'm yet to have him at Patio Poetry. Uh, he'll be there soon, though, yeah. featuring. Um, and probably third. Hmm. Probably joking word. Have you heard of Joking Word? Mm-hmm. Follow Joking Word. Um, he's a he's a spoken word artist that does comedy as well yeah. in his skits. So he's very funny. He's consistent. I just had a show with him in Long Beach a couple weeks ago, and he killed it. Like he blew the top off that motherfucker. Right. Um, he's very consistent. He's very good. So those three, I would say, are my top three comedians yeah. right right now. Is Nerd considered a comedian or no? No, nerds a spoken word artist. His, his shit was kind of funny though. His his little his punches, his I've, his I've, bars. I've I've always experienced him as a as a spoken word poet. You know what I mean? Yeah, okay, he had a little, he had a little couple lines. He got some was, shit. That was okay. just, I feel like at the patio poetry when he did his piece, it was like some of the lines were kind of like comedic. Yeah, 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 and yeah. I was like, ah, that was, that was a good one. That was I funny. Think he can do it though. I think he has the charisma. To yeah, be a comedian, he you know do. I mean? He do. He got yeah. the little swagger. And shit. Yeah, he got that swag. Now, nah, but how was it uh, growing up in LA though? Man, it, I, I mean, everyone, that's a cliche question, but was it really just like having to choose between the gangs and not having to go down that road? Or For me, I'll just tell you my personal experience. I grew up in a, in a section of L.A. called Midtown. Uh, shout out Midtown. I'm not familiar with L.A., so can you, can you yep. explain for those so, who don't know? So, so Midtown, for, the, for those who don't know, um, is a section of L.A. If, y'all, if you guys are familiar with World on Wheels, the fa- very famous skating ring, right, world yeah, famous yeah, skating. Yeah. That's in Midtown. Um what else is in Midtown that people wouldn't know? Lucy's, the same Lucy's that was in Baby Boy when she went through the drive-thru okay, with, yeah, yeah. with Jody and she found the condoms mm-hmm. in his back seat. Yeah, they recorded yeah. that in Midtown. Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles on Pico and La Brea. That's a very big spot in Midtown. Yeah, yeah. That's the same Roscoe's that YG and Nipsey Hussle performed. Um, fuck, what is that For song? Donald Trump? Or no. uh, Bitches Ain't Shit. Bitches Ain't Shit. Yeah. That same one when they were on top of the Roscoe's. Yeah. They performed that. So I was re- born and raised in Midtown. Born and raised. It's all I knew growing up. Um, that's a bunch of inspiration right there in itself, huh? Because a lot of people come from L.A. that... Absolutely. Midtown, uh, for me and the way I've experienced it, is predominantly black and brown. The, all, all the communities that I've lived at in my whole life were predominantly black and brown communities. Um, I love the hood. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> and and it's very it's very much um, active. <laughs> what I mean by that is it's always something going on in Midtown. So whether it's yard sales cracking, whether it's taco trucks on every corner, um, whether it's recreation centers all over the place, and basketball and um, uh, recreational parks is what I'm trying to say. Um, I had a great time. Being born and raised in, in Midtown, um, 
you know, how was it in terms of the gangs and shit? Not even that, but just like going to school and everything. Was it, did you get in fights a lot? You had to watch out and shit? Or So for me, I went to Queen Anne Elementary School, which is what I stated in my piece. My mom worked at my elementary school. That was a fact. And, same shit with me. Huh? My mom worked at my elementary school. <laughs> yeah, my mom worked at my elementary. And um, yeah. how was it? I mean, it was great. It wasn't like no... I was a kid, so the perception of viewing something as like hood or ghetto was like I'm in it. So it's like it's normal. This is life. Yeah, this yeah. ain't this ain't shit. But you know, you had that. You had that influence. We our our elementary school was right in the hood. You know what I'm saying? We had, um, you know, uh, predominantly Mexican gangs, um, in 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 Midtown. Yeah, predominantly Mexican gangs in Midtown. But um. You know, you got your Crips, too, um, and your Bloods, right? So for me, um, that that's always been around me for my whole life. The drugs, the 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 violence, the, the gangs have always been around. My mom did a very good job at keeping us away from all of that. Mm. My mom managed what, type, what color shoes we wore growing up. Mm. My mom managed what we, what, we, what we put ourselves out as, how we spoke. Um, again, I grew up in a very religious home. My family were Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm. Um, so, you know, it wasn't super strict. My mom actually gave the boys a lot of leeway, me and my older brother, Ace. Um, but, you know, those influences were around. Once I got into my teenage years, those influences were really strong for right, me. And, exactly, I, and yeah. I was at that crossroads, no cliche shit. I was at that crossroads where I was literally about to choose, um, do I want to be a part of, you know, a gang? And live that lifestyle, and and right, or do I want to just kind of ride it out and you know focus on girls and making money and doing my own thing? Um, and so I've had many times and many many instances that pop up in my mind to where I could have been a crip, I could have been a blood um, easily. That was like that was always an option growing up, and that inf- that impact and that influence was in my life always. So in Midtown, you know, you got you got all that. You got your, you know, you got your racist ass cops who, you know what I'm saying, constantly fucking with you. Um, you know what I'm saying? But the good parts of Mid City, uh, in Midtown, I would say is that it's very, very family oriented. Um, there's a lot of small local businesses that are that are booming and that are known. I named a few. Um, and it's getting better. You know what I mean? I'm very proud of where I'm from. I'm very proud to say I'm from Midtown. Um, and to be a poet from Midtown. I don't know another one. I don't know another poet that's from Midtown, Los Angeles. Um, DJ Mustard is from Midtown. Mm. Um, and it's funny because growing up, man, DJ Mustard was like the local DJ that would be always DJing house parties. DJ Mustard stayed at World on Wheels. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, that's crazy. Um, so he's, he, he know about that lifestyle. And, you know, it's a lot of people that's came out of that area. You know what I mean? That's doing something with their lives. How do you how do you um break away from? Well, you said you grew up a lot religious, right? Your yeah. parents were real religion. How do you break away from that? Since since you're not religious now, or you look yeah. at you look at things different. Like where was that? I guess that transition when you were yeah. like, nah, this is bullshit. Yeah. So for me, um, up to the age of 14 years old, I'll never forget. My mom made us go to what's called the Kingdom Hall. Um, I was around 14, 15 years old to where she had a conversation with me and my brother. And she said, I'm not waking y'all up no more on Sunday mornings. I'm not going to force you to go to field service. Field service is when you go knock on people's doors. 
um, the decision is completely up to y'all on what you want to do. So us being teenage boys and having to go to the Kingdom Hall on Sunday, we can either play video games all day or watch Sunday football with my dad. So what do you think we picked? Football. We at the house. So I moved out of my house when I was like 19, 20 years old. And I really got back into the religious thing, got back into, you know what I mean, practicing and all that. And then that relationship fell off and I kind of fell off with the religion. And then I got into another very serious relationship. I've been engaged twice. I'm 26 years old. My second relationship, um, I found myself going back into that in terms of being very religious. Um, this girl I got very serious with very fast, and I had a lot of influences around me telling me to get married because that's what you know Jehovah wants, and that's mm. what you're supposed to do when you're with a woman. So I had those influences from the people that I was studying with. I had those influences from my siblings. I had those influences from my mother very heavily. Um, so I allowed that to get to me. And so I proposed and did a lot of things that were outside of what I wanted in my heart, but I did it because that's what the religion, that's, that's what you're supposed to do. Found myself being unhappy. My last relationship broke. Um, the, 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 um, the engagement didn't obviously make it. Um, and after that, I'm like, fuck this. I'm about to experience life how I want to experience life. I'm about to break free of that. And I'm just going to start looking at things from outside of the box. Like, what is really going on? You know what I mean? And I start to question a lot of the practices that I was doing throughout my life. And I'm not knocking Jehovah's Witnesses. I would never knock anybody's religion or right. anybody's belief. I want to make that very, very, very clear. I, I have nothing against Jehovah's Witnesses, Christians, Catholics, whatever. Whatever makes you happy, whatever puts you at peace, whatever works for you, by all means, do it. Do it, do it, do it. So I kind of grew out of it, um, to answer your question. I started to view things on my own, and I started to say, you know what? I ain't really going to rock with all these rules and guidelines that are being pushed by an organization. Um, instead, I'm going to just start living my life the way I want to live my life, mm -hmm. um, which is I think God created us to love and to create. I think it's very simple. Um, look at a dog, for example. So pure, always excited to see you. Right, always gives you love, always gives you affection. Um, obviously, they create five to six fucking babies at a time. They're a perfect example of what God's purpose is for us. Our purpose, in my opinion, is to love and to create. It's very simple. Everything else is societal. Everything else is brainwashed. Everything else is not real. Mm -hmm. Love each other and create Love and create and imagine what kind of world we'll be living in right now. If every single body in this world, 7 billion people, can love and create. Just love. That's it. And I said, you know what? I'm not about to be a part of no more religion. Um, because in my personal opinion, I think religion is ran like business. Divide like, and conquer. It's divide and conquer. I think that it's very divisive. And I don't, and I don't support anything that's that's not um, bringing us all together. Mm. So, yep. you know, that's a big thing for me. So I love God. I still refer to God as Jehovah when I pray, um, or the Creator, or whatever I'm feeling in that moment. Um, you know what I mean? And I just live my life according to what I want to experience. You know what I'm saying? Treat people good. Be kind. 
do things out of the kindness and love of my heart. I try my best to live in my heart, right? And so I decided to just break away from that. I kind of grew out of it, you know what I mean, to answer your question. It just wasn't for me anymore. Similar to college. I tried college for one semester, and I'm like, yo, this, this form of receiving information is not for me. It's not resonating for me. So does that mean I don't like education? No, by any means. No, right. education is very important. Mm -hmm. That just means that form of receiving it is not for me. Right. So I'm not saying I'm not spiritual or whatever. I'm saying that that form of receiving spirituality is not for me. So, um, you know, to answer your question, that's how I got to the point to where I'm at now. That's how I broke free of those beliefs mm -hmm. and, and how I was raised and all of that. So... Yeah. yeah, that's man. I feel I feel like my parents also they they instill so much like beliefs in me and just I guess the way they think things should be. And I guess they're yeah. traditional in a way, and yeah. they give you and it's just like you start realizing, man. Yeah, I'm really happy like this. Yeah. I really don't want to work every day. I hate asking another grown man for some time off. Straight up, like come on, bro. Yep, you should be able to go on vacation when you want. You should be able to take a lunch as long as you want. You should be able to get paid. You should be able to make your own price point and how much you get paid. Because look at it. You got people out here that's excited about making $15 an hour. $20 that's an hour. That's nothing, man. What? $25, that's nothing. $30 an hour. I'm excited. You have a man that's in charge of you and your company and your business that you're working for. You're working for somebody else first and foremost. And this man is telling you, one hour of your time and your life is worth $15. 15? What? I'm going to make that price point. I'm going I'm going to let you know how much my time and how much my energy and effort is worth. If you can buy about it, great. If you can't, it's not for me. Right. Keep it pushing. Much love. You got to build that value up. Exactly. Exactly. So, it's only with time, bro. Patience and consistency. Absolutely. We'll get anywhere we want to get to, Absolutely. man. But uh, before we end this, before we get out of here, I want you to... If you can leave us with, with with your newest with your newest poem, my bad. With your newest poem, your newest. Okay. Yeah. What you got. Um, I want to see what you performed actually in, in Arizona, if you don't mind. I performed Power in Arizona, and I also performed Hypocrite in Arizona. Um, Which one's the Kendrick inspired one? The Hypocrite. Hypocrite. Yeah. Hypocrite. You want to hear Hypocrite? I want to hear. I want to hear Hypocrite. Leave, okay. the, leave the people off with that, man. We can do that. Over the Bone <laughs> Podcast, man. Let's Keep do it. Tea. Let's get Let's it. Let's do it. This piece was inspired by Kendrick Lamar. I was listening to his song, Black of the Berry. And at the end of that song, he said, Why did we weep when Trayvon Martin was in the street when game banging make me kill a nigga blacker than me? Hypocrite. Ooh, he said that and it just resonated with me. Okay, yeah. He yeah. said that and it just resonated with Remember me. Remember that like, line? Wow, how deep is that? So I'm like, cool. I felt really inspired and I wrote this piece in like 15 minutes. I was blazing, blazing through it. So here it is. It's called Hypocrite. Why did we weep when Trayvon Martin was in the street? When game banging make me kill a nigga blacker than me. I swear to God, Kendrick Lamar said it best. I thought I was the only one at home angry and confused that whenever we see a white cop kill a black boy and make it on the news that I saw so often the time we choose to be united. I heard a man on Maury curse his queen out once. He said, Maury, this here is my bitch. She follows me wherever I go. I am the only one who can who can disrespect her, curse or neglect her. I wish a nigga would try to check her. I am the only one who can physically assault her because she ain't gonna do shit. Because Maury, this here is my bitch. 
Somebody please explain to me what's the difference between this abusive man speaking and my race of people. See, we protest every single annual police killing on a black man. All 200 of them. But every single day in our own so-called community, I see absolutely zero unity when it comes to gang violence. I see closed eyes turned backs in complete silence. Think I'm lying? How many times have you seen a complete freeway shut down over anything we have done to ourselves? I wait. See, everybody wants to start a revolution over racism, discrimination, white supremacy, police killings in the system. What about the dead bodies, drug use, spousal abuse, alcohol abuse, verbal abuse, gun violence, gang violence with no truce? We hanging ourselves with no noose. Who gonna tell me this ain't true? You out here pumping your fist over some shit you can't control instead of pumping all that energy right here in your own home. So it leads me to my first question. Do black lives really matter? Or are you just following the crowd? Because I swear to God, I only see that hashtag whenever a white cop kills a black child. Did y'all forget we live in a society full of followers that only care about the new fad, social media, and who got the most followers? See, last time I checked, that hashtag Black Lives Matter started on social media. So when I actually sit back and observe it, it leads me to question, how was that hashtag any different than when Plinkin was trending? Or that panda that was sneezing, or that Asian nigga that was singing Gangnam Style? Or how about the Ice Bucket Challenge or the Mannequin Challenge or that Harlem Shake Challenge bullshit? See, people out here screaming out Black Lives Matter because that's the new fad for the black community. Makes us feel like when we hashtag it, we actually have real unity. Black man in Fool for Less asked me a question around the time Donald Trump ho ass was elected. He said, young brother, this is bad. Oh, this is really bad. Did you know Donald Trump supports stop and frisk? Did you know Donald Trump is prejudiced and racist? Did you know Donald Trump had told a white man to punch a black man in the face? Did you know Donald Trump has no respect for all race? As he's talking, I couldn't help but to stare in his face in awe at the level of delusion. See, last time I checked, the Bloods and Crips been implemented stop and frisk. Coming home when I was young, I used to have to walk on the main street just so I wouldn't have to worry about running into the Crips on my way home from the swap meet. I got stopped and frisked in middle school by the Bloods. Oh, the black dude just sat there and watched and showed me no love. Wake up, y'all. Trump prejudice and racist. Yeah, that may be true. But when I was in 10th grade in high school, there was a big-ass riot for three days straight between the blacks and the Mexicans. Whole school was on lockdown, but I thought we was locked down in prison the way these niggas was fighting over their race. Oh, shit. Donald Trump had told a white man to punch a black man in the face. He didn't do that, did he? See, I remember one day the Bloods came up to the school searching for all Crips. The ringleader, a.k.a. the big homie, had one of his young niggas punch a dude in the lip, took his phone and his wallet, and literally just dipped. And everybody just sat there and watched and didn't do shit. See, the point that I'm making is that instead of us faking like Black Lives Matter, how about we actually show that Black Lives Matter? It seems like we are no different than that man on the Maury show who says, this here is my bitch, and only I can destroy her. No one else. See, I have so much respect for Huey P. Newton and Bobby Seale because they actually practiced what they preached and the action showed it was real. A 10-point plan was implemented and in place to go against white supremacy against the black race. Asking for freedom, employment, and housing for our people. Releasing blacks from prison because back then the dribble just wasn't equal. Asking to teach in public school the true history of our own because the shit they was teaching was under government control. Black folks should be exempt from any military involvement, having our men in coffins over some shit the white man started. Can you see the difference in direction? Huey P. Newton said we want bread, land, education, and justice, housing, clothing, and no more controlling. It's so easy to wear black gloves, all black clothes, and black shades. See, we want to look the part, but not actually do the part. That's the whole idea of this new age. See, my folks in the hood with no plan, shooting dope, I'm just saying, sagging our pants. We can't keep blaming the white man. It's all part of his master plan. We out here following the fucking agenda. That's the reality. It's a tragedy. It's sad to me. My folks going to probably be mad at me.
I'm ready to pump my fist over this shit. Make a difference over this shit. How many bodies got to die in our own district before we realize real quick that even though we ain't perfect, it's time. It's time to take ownership. Hypocrite. Thank you so much, bro. Thank you so much for having your boy, man. Yo, QT over the Blunt Podcast, man. See y'all next week. Much love. OBOP. Today's episode of Overly Blunt Podcast featuring Chris X. Matt is executive produced by Overly Blunt, produced by Christopher Esparza, and engineered by Patrick Marino.